following sermon was delivered at the 1030 worship service at the United Methodist Church of Kent. Please enjoy. The sermon today is the fourth in a sermon series entitled Life in Christ. Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. What Jesus shows is that the avenue to abundant life is different from what many people suppose. Let's be, begin with a word of prayer. May the words of my mouth and meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. In the scripture this reading this morning that we heard from the Gospel of Mark, we heard the story of how James and John asked to be seated at Jesus' left and right hand, that is, in positions of power and exaltation when he came into his glory. James and John had a lot in common with our contemporary society. Like many people, they desired upward mobility. They wanted to rise up in the world, to be at the top. It is notable that they expressed this request to Jesus after they had already been with him for some time. Jesus had been leading them in a life of service, but still, they were gripped by the desire to exalt themselves. It shows just how captivating and deep-seated that desire is in the human spirit. The Bible portrays this reality at the very start of the biblical story in the story of the Garden of Eden, where Adam and Eve constitute a profound picture of our human condition. They are tempted as the serpent whispers to them, you will be like God. Human beings are continually tempted to want to achieve exalted status, to be, as James and John said, in glory. In the story of Adam and Eve, this results in a mess. As human beings disobey God and try to exalt themselves, they alienate themselves from God and in the process from one another. The story of Adam and Eve is followed by the story of Cain killing his brother Abel. We are seeing a stark replay of that story today in Ukraine. Vladimir Putin is seeking to exalt himself mightily. He wants to be the czar of a restored Russian empire. Some Russians are right along with him, captivated by his dream to make Russia a great power once again, to expand the borders to the far extent of the old empire, maybe beyond. But whenever human beings grasp after power and glory, they typically end up trampling on their neighbor. Ukrainians have said, observed, that they had long considered themselves to be kinsfolk with the Russians, but now, they say, Cain is killing his brother. At the same time, the human desire for glory also often expresses itself in far less sinister and more everyday terms. In American society, people commonly get wrapped up in the desire for status and recognition. They want to get ahead in the world to to achieve high status. Yet, the advance to drive oneself to the top very often leads to personal frustration. Human experience is commonly analogous to a scene in Alice in Wonderland where Alice was running with the Red Queen through what appeared to be a giant chessboard. 
The queen kept shouting at her, Faster! Faster! And Alice was running as fast as she could. Yet, Lewis Carroll writes, The most curious part of the thing was that the trees and other things around them never changed their places at all. However fast they went, they never seemed to pass anything. I wonder if all these things move along with us, thought poor Alice. Finally, Alice collapsed in exhaustion and was dismayed to discover that she was sitting under, the, under precisely the same tree from where she had begun. And the Red Queen said to her, Here, you see, it takes all the running you can do to keep in the same place. If you want to get somewhere else, you must run at least twice as fast as that. That is an apt description of what life is like for many people today, running as fast as they can, only to stay in the same place. That can happen in the normal course of life, and the situation is greatly exacerbated when people are engaged in a great race to try to climb the ladder in life. People furiously climb rung after rung, but never seem to get close to the top. So they try to move even faster, and yet the question arises as, as to whether people in all this racing for the top are heading toward the proper goal. As Stephen Covey once put it, it is incredibly easy to get caught up in activity, to work harder and harder climbing the ladder of success, only to discover that it is leaning against the wrong wall. Jesus made clear to James and John that their desire to rise up in the world was misdirected. He offered instead an entirely different focus in life, as he said that anyone who would be great in his kingdom must be a servant of others, and that he himself had come not to be served but to serve. Jesus thus calls for a kind of downward mobility, an orientation where we are no longer concerned with rising up in the world, but where we are willing to step down in status, where our primary focus is on giving of ourselves for others. We see precisely that movement in Jesus himself. It is well described in the passage we heard from Philippians, where it says that Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, and humbled himself even unto death on a cross. Notice here the reversal of the kind of movement that we saw in the story of Adam and Eve. In the Garden of Eden, human beings are trying to make themselves like God. Jesus, though he is one with God, empties himself and becomes a servant to all. Jesus thus engaged himself in a profound form of downward mobility as he abandoned all concern for his own status and entered a life which was essentially a life of servanthood in which he was ready even to offer himself on the cross. Why is it that people want to climb the ladder in the first place? What propels people into the great race to get ahead? Why are people driven to try to make themselves great? The anthropologist Ernest Becker once suggested that what drives people at bottom is the fear of insignificance, which reaches its particular poignancy in the fear of death. Death appears to signify that our lives finally count for nothing. As it is said in the book of Ecclesiastes, as they came from their mother's womb, so they shall go again. They take nothing with them for their toil.
in response, people try to build themselves up. They try to make themselves appear significant in some way so as to give themselves some sense of standing in the universe. People thus attempt to hoist themselves to positions of status. They'll surround themselves with all sorts of possessions. They engage in various activities to try to make themselves seem to count for something in this world. But it does not work because the basic fear of death and insignificance remains. Worse yet, in the process of trying to make themselves important and great, people end up trampling over other people, and they fill their own lives with vanity. It is this kind of anxious striving that we see exemplified in James and John in the Gospel story. In Jesus, however, we see something entirely different. We observe in Jesus a profound kind of freedom. He is free from that compulsion to make himself great in this world. He's free to share himself in service for others. And his life has great peace, great meaning, and great joy as he is absorbed not in a frenetic grasping, but in a gracious giving of himself. It's not simply that Jesus has taken hold of some ideal of servanthood. A person could decide to be religious, could decide to be a servant, but if that person were still caught up in the drive for personal significance, then all that would happen is that the race to rise up in the world would be transferred from the secular to the religious sphere. That's exactly what we see in James and John. James and John had decided to be followers of Jesus. They were servants of God's Messiah, but they wanted to be great servants. They wanted to rise up to acclaim and and high status. Similarly, today, a person could decide to launch into charitable giving, or a person could decide to to become involved in some great project. But But if the aim is to be, say, recognized as a great philanthropist, then it's all in vain again. Or if the person decided to maybe rise up to, maybe enter the priesthood, but their aim also was to become a bishop or a cardinal, even to get to the Vatican. Again, it's being caught up in that drive for self-importance. What then is the root of the spiritual freedom and the authentic self-giving that we see in Jesus? Jesus is free because he is grounded in God. He finds his significance in being a part of God's kingdom. He is free from the fear of death because he knows himself to be a part of everlasting life. He knows he's not living for nothing, but he is a part of God's eternal purpose. So he has no need to strive to make himself great. He's free to share himself in love. The story is told of the English psychologist Thomas Huxley, that he was in Dublin one time and was running late for a meeting. He jumped into a cab and yelled at the driver, drive fast. The cabbie hit the gas, took off straightway down the road. As they were roaring down the pavement, suddenly it occurred to Huxley that he had never given the driver his destination. (laughs) Hey, he shouted, do you know where we are going? No, replied the cabbie but we're making great time. (laughs) Life can be a furious race to nowhere. Jesus leads us instead to be clear about where we are going, 
what it is exactly toward which we are aiming. He said in the Sermon on the Mount, seek first the kingdom of God. Rather than struggling to exalt ourselves, we realize that it is God who lifts us up in grace already. And so we can joyously enter the love of God and join in the purposes of God. Freed from anxious striving, we're able then to find real fullness in life as we share in living as servants of God. Jesus expressed that fundamental truth when in another place he said, The greatest among you will be a servant. All who exalt themselves will be humbled. All who humble themselves will be exalted. To humble yourself does not mean to feel badly about yourself. It means to realize where your real self-worth lies. It lies in God, who claims you forever as a child of God. It's when we accept that great love that God pours upon us that we then are released from all those vain pursuits after self-advancement. We're lifted instead by God's grace into fellowship with God and are enabled finally to live out Jesus' way of servanthood in the world. All this does not mean that we should stop seeking after high marks in life. Right now, we are in the midst of March Madness. Many of you are enjoying watching the basketball uh, tournament and, and seeing teams to, to uh, really reach after the heights. Every team, of course, in every sport is reaching for a trophy. And people in many endeavors in life are likewise seeking to achieve high marks, to achieve the very best. This is not inconsistent with Jesus' teaching. Because Jesus does not lead us to stop striving, he leads us to be clear what it is we're striving for. When we hear the word of Jesus, we're hearing him call us to strive above all for God's kingdom, which means Jesus is leading us to find our significance in the value God places upon us, to find our calling in God's purposes. Then... Freed from grasping after personal greatness, we can make full use of God's gifts in the pursuit of noble and godly aims. We strive for the best, not in order to find our significance in our achievements, which is always vain, but rather because we are inspired to use the gifts God has given us in the best possible way to the glory of God. It is notable that even people who have reached the very top in sports, who have achieved, for example, a Super Bowl ring, will say finally that the ring is a thrill that fades. It does not finally provide meaning in life. You need something more. You need God. It is as Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, and then all else falls into its proper place. This is why top athletes who are people of faith typically display an attitude of humility. They know that all that they can do is by God's grace. So they give the praise to God, whether they win or they lose, and they're free then to use their gifts to the fullest because they know they are part of something greater, part of something much larger than themselves.
In the end, James and John finally caught on to the gospel message. They became servants, empowered by Jesus Christ. They never did become great in the world's terms, but in God's terms, they found what life is about. Jesus invites us likewise to follow as servants of his kingdom, and so to find abundant life. Let us pray. Lord, we give thanks that you call us today to be and live as your people. You claim us as your children. Lord, free us from all those forms of vain striving in which we are forever seeking to hoist ourselves upward when, in fact, you have come downward. You have come to give yourselves in servanthood. You claim us already as your people freeing us from that need to somehow find our significance in something because we find our eternal value, O God, in you. Lead us then to trust in you, to open ourselves to how your spirit is here to draw us into your fellowship today and to empower us then to use the gifts you've given us to be a part of the great works of your eternal kingdom. Lead us, Lord, as we follow you in faith, as we join in your works and as we lift to you always the praise. Drawn by your spirit, O God, we give thanks that you pull us into the fellowship of your church. You draw us together to grow in faith and to reach out to others, particularly in times of need. We do remember those who are sick and pray especially this morning for Joanne Maynard and for Dave Blair's brother, praying for your healing power. We also pray for people who are in times of great trouble in the world. We pray especially this morning again for the people of Ukraine dealing with such horrors in these days. Praying, O Lord, for your strength and for the hope that comes from you. We pray also for the people of Russia, people who are being so terribly misguided. We pray, Lord, for the enlightenment of your spirit. We pray that all peoples might find the peace that you intend for us all. We thank you, O God, that we can reach out to be instruments of your grace and your good news in our time. And we lift up our fellow United Mothers at the Smithville United Mothers Church. And as you would inspire us, as we would hear your call to us today, lead us, Lord, as we would share in that life of service in which we know ourselves to be in fellowship with Christ, and we join in striving above all for your kingdom, finding fullness of life, O God, in you, and responding and sharing in your call to reach out with your grace to all the world. In the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this edition of the United Methodist Church of Kent Sermon Podcast. For more information about the church, visit www.kentmethodist.org.